Shepherd, I want you to get your Bibles open to the book of Proverbs. And I hope as you go back to your chair or you're watching online or you stayed there in your seat that that, li- that heaviness has lifted right now. That's what I believe for for you. I want to talk about the hope of healing this morning. How many know we need, a, we need hope in this world? Only three of you. Okay, the rest of you must have something I don't see. How many know we need hope this morning? This world needs hope, you need hope, and I need hope, but there's something tied to your hope. And I'm going to show you that in the Bible just in a second here. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred or hope delayed or hope not received or not having hope, however you want to read that, makes the heart sick. So if we don't have hope, we're sick. So a lot of times when we're physically not feeling well or we're going through an ailment or we're battling something of anxiety or or distress in our bodies, it can be tied to the lack of hope, not having hope. Because if that says hope deferred makes the heart sick, then what makes the heart healthy? Hope. Hope makes your heart healthy. How many know if we don't have hope this morning, we don't have anything? I mean, that's what God gave us. That, that means What that means, if you don't understand what I'm trying to say, is, well, I'm, I'm in a physical battle right now with my body, or I'm, I'm in a, a financial situation, or I'm in a, a family problem, or whatever it is. That, what, I, what that means is there's hope your situation can change. How many are glad if you came in this morning and you are in a financial situation that there's hope that your situation can change? And not, and not get worse, but get better. If you came in physically ailed, there's hope that you can leave here healed. That's what the gospel's about, that there's hope. The definition says a feeling or expectation of something. So we come with a hope. What a powerful song. What a great lead-in this morning. That's a new song. That's our first time singing it. But perfect lead-in to this message that the Lord put on my heart because it says, in the lowest valley, I'll, I'll praise your name. And, and when everything's not going right, because that's what sets overcomers apart. Do you realize that the world has problems just like we do, and we have problems just like the world does? Do you realize that the only thing that makes us different from the world, when I say world meaning unbelievers, is that we have hope and they don't? Our problems are the same. Don't we live in the same, are we outside of the COVID bubble? We live in the same city they do. We're going through the same problems they're going through. We have the same, everything's the same. The only difference that sets us apart from them is hope. They have no hope and we have hope. Before you met the Lord, you didn't have any hope. You were hopeless. Your situation was hopeless. How many know some situations look hopeless? Some things seem like there's no way. I got good news for you. God is a God of hope. And it says having an expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. Could it be this morning that God allows us to go through things so that we can live in a certain expectation for something to happen? If everything was already in our hands, we wouldn't need to hope for it. If you were already healed, you wouldn't need to hope for it. If you, were, if you had a perfect marriage, you wouldn't hope for a good marriage or a perfect family or all those things. God allows us to go through things so that we can express hope. And listen, this world needs to see hope in us. The hope of glory, amen? They need, to, they need to look at us and say, okay, they got the same problems we do, but they're happy. They're joyful. There's hope in their lives. Hope, uh, uh, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped 
for the evidence of things we cannot see. We need to learn to look beyond what we see. You want to be an overcomer in here this morning? And I believe all of you do. You've got to learn to look past your situation and what you see with your physical eyes and express faith in the things you cannot see. Amen? Be able to see that person healed. Be able to see that bank account in the positive instead of the negative. Be able to see that family restored instead of divided. Be able to see whatever it is that you're believing for. You need to be able to see it with faith. That's hope. And the great thing for us is, I want you to say this with me, no matter what, no matter what the situation is, there's hope. How many are glad for that this morning? We, we, we'll never come in here and say, in truth, there's just no hope for this. We, we might feel, there's no hope for this world. There's no hope for our city. There's no hope for our government. There's no hope for this COVID crisis. There's no hope. There's no hope. Guess what? There's hope. And the hope is not in the vaccine. The hope is in God. The hope is in Jesus. The hope is in his word. The hope is in God doing something that we cannot do. In our own power, amen? We need God to step in and intervene. I got news for you this morning. Yes, we're dealing with a pandemic. Yes, we've got problems going on. But guess what? There are always going to be problems. If there was no pandemic this year, it could be wars. Has anybody noticed there hasn't been any wars this year? If it's not wars, then it's famine. If it's not famine, it's violence. If it's not violence, it's something else. Does anybody realize there's always going to be problems that we need hope for? We don't live in a divine bubble. We live in a real world that has real problems. But we have a real God who has real solutions. And what he needs is for us to hope more and worry less. Had forgotten that was our sign, amen, that we put up six months ago. This will be the last month of that sign. Hope, more hope, less worry. How many know that that's what this world needs? They don't need, listen, you, your neighbor, your coworker, your family, yourself does not need to know that you're poor. They don't need to know that they're broke. They don't need to know that they're sick. They don't need to know that they're in trouble. They know all that stuff. They need to know there's hope for them. Hello, am I preaching to anybody alive in here this morning? I hear them shouting through the internet, but you can't hear them. Amen. They don't need to know they're in trouble. They know it already. Don't, nobody needs to tell you, hey, did you know that your bank account's a negative? Oh, thank you, Captain Obvious. Amen. No one needs to tell you that. Someone needs to tell you, you know what? We serve a God that can turn that thing around, and God can bring a miracle to your life, and God can change your situation. There's hope for your life. We need to know that. People around us need to know that. And I'm coming as the messenger to tell you this morning there's hope. I want to talk about a story this morning in a second. Acts chapter 16, if you want to get there, don't put it up yet, please. Acts chapter 16, you know, what you, one thing that will help you, and I try to always teach you guys this, is somebody always has it worse than you. I'm telling you, if you will get that revelation, it will change your life. My mom's in the hospital right now. She's, again, she's going to be in there for the fourth year unless God does a miracle today. She's going to be in there for the fourth Christmas in a row. Four years in a row she's been in the hospital at Christmas time. She loves Christmas time. I don't think there's anybody that loves Christmas time more than my mom. That's kind of where I get my love for Christmas from my mom. I could be upset and despaired and, and, and all these things, but guess what? I can't do anything over that situation except pray and hope that God is in control of her situation. That's all I can do. But guess what? I think about somebody, we were working on the classroom back here and, and with Jerry, and I was thinking about Veronica's mom has been in the hospital for two and a half years. 
straight, like in the hospital for two and a half years. So even when somebody has a bad situation, instead of focusing on that, look at somebody else who has it worse and go, you know what, my situation is not quite that bad. I'm going to tell you a story in a second that's going to make your life seem good. I'm going to tell you a story right now that if you think you got it bad right now, you're going to walk out of here going, man, I am blessed, I am blessed, I am blessed. Because there's no comparison to what these people went through in the Bible compared to what we're going through. The Bible says, I'm going to lead into this story real quick, Paul and Silas are preaching. John mentioned it at the prayer. In some nations in this world, and this was the case in the Bible times, if they preached the name of Jesus, they would be arrested. So Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel, and they get arrested for healing a woman of her demon possession. For doing something good. They get in trouble, and they get arrested, and they get beaten. And then when they get into the prison, they get beaten again. And this, as it's raining outside right now, and it's kind of damp and cold, it's a great picture for us. You know, some, some of you in here somebody say, it's cold in here. Well, how about being in a place where there's no blanket and there's no warmth and there's no heat? I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm just saying, just trying to get you to think about this. And it's damp and your feet are wet and you're bleeding and you've been beaten and no one's wiping your wounds off and you're chained up in your hands and your feet and you're in prison all for preaching Jesus. Hmm? That's what Paul and Silas were doing. They were in the, in, this, in the place, in the prison, beaten, chained up hands and feet, probably with little rats running around their feet, cold and damp, with no hope. Now, now let's just look at our situation and realize we've got it just a little bit better than them. Right? Acts 16, 24. But at midnight. How many know we need to be the but for somebody else? We can step in and say, but God has hope for your situation. Watch this. Focus on this verse right here. But at midnight, and I want you to leave this up there for a second. This is powerful. Midnight, stay with me, midnight signifies the worst part of the night. If you look at the way that Bible times talked about time, sunset to sunrise was the night. It wasn't always the same time. We know it's the case here. Sunset to sunrise is not always the same time. But over there, about 6 o'clock in the evening, the sun would set. About 6 o'clock in the morning, the sun would rise. Midnight was a symbol of being right in the middle of the night at the worst time. That song said, at my lowest place, I'll praise you, Lord. And at midnight, when it was gloomy and dark, again, picture, we got the lights on in here. How about being in a dark cell, wet, moldy, stinky, bleeding, hurting, and you did the right thing? They had preached the gospel, and so they're at midnight, at their worst hour, at their lowest point, they were praying and complaining to God about all the misery of their life. They began to say to each other, man, can you believe this, Paul? Silas, can you believe that here we are in this cold prison, bleeding, and where's God at? Where's this God at that we preach? They start complaining to each other. Is that what it says they did? No. It's ought to help us with our complaining, by the way. Can I get a better amen? That was a lonely amen right there. We got it good. We got it good. But 
Paul and Silas began to sing. They didn't just pray. Now, if, if it wouldn't have said singing hymns, we might think that in their prayers, they were like, God, I hate this. This is horrible. Get me out of here. Where are you at? There's no telling. How many know God can handle that kind of prayer? God can handle it. But it says they prayed and were singing hymns to God. Watch this. Stay, leave that up there for a second. And the prisoners were listening to them. Church, when you're going through problems and when I'm going through problems, everybody's watching to see how we act, to see how we talk, to see how we react, to see how we handle the situation. And if we talk about the situation and complain and whine and do all this stuff, they're watching us. And they're going, oh, they're just like us. They've got problems and they complain about their problems just like we do. But when they look at our lives and see us going through something and they see us praising the Lord and they see us worshiping God and they see us lifting up his name and they see us telling them there's hope for my situation, there's hope for your situation, they're listening and they're watching. Do you, do you, do you understand that this morning? They're watching to see how we'll react. And Paul and Silas said, we're not going to let this cell, we're not going to let this darkness, we're not going to let this cold, we're not going to let this blood keep us from lifting our hands and worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In my lowest place, I will worship him. Yes, I will. Does anybody else have that kind of resolve in here this morning? Yes, I will go to church this Sunday morning, even though it's raining outside. I will say no to the covers. They want to come back over me. I say no, I'm getting up and I'm going to church like all you did. All you said, yes, I will. Now, Just like you said, yes, I will to come to church this morning in the rain, you need to tell God, yes, I will in every situation. Now, let's keep reading here. And because they did this, suddenly, listen, I want to tell you something before I read on here. I want you to understand, this just hit me just now as I was saying that. It is not going to be in your time. It is not going to be how you want it. But I promise you, take the check to the bank. If you show hope to God and you express faith to the Lord, he will get you out of your situation. He will change your situation. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will do it. Tell the person next to you, he'll do it. And suddenly there was an earthquake. You know what one of the greatest things, if not the greatest thing about serving God is? Is the suddenly is right around the corner. Listen, I'm almost 30 years saved now, so I've been around the block a few times. I can tell you that this, it's exciting serving God because suddenly my mom can get released from the hospital. Suddenly my mom can stand up. Suddenly those people can come out of the hospital. Suddenly God can turn your situation financially around. Suddenly God can show up. And one of the most exciting things about serving God, and anybody that's been saved for a while knows what I'm talking about, isn't when or how. Because you know it's going to happen. Amen. It's, it, sorry, it is the when and how. Not if, it's the when and the how. You can't wait to see how and when. We don't go, God, it, will you? We go, God, I can't wait to see when and how. When and how. And it says their when and how was suddenly there was a great earthquake. How many know an earthquake is a good thing when you're in prison? Amen. 
Because that means the walls are shaken and so are the prison walls and so are the gates and the doors. And it says, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Church, when you lift your hand and praise God and express hope, you are shaking the foundations of hell. You are shaking the foundations of your situation. You are telling the devil, I don't care what you bring against me. Yes, I will praise and bless his name. Amen. I told the 9 o'clock service you guys were going to be better at this. I told them the 11 o'clock is going to respond better to this message. But I was just glad they came because we thought the 9 o'clock was going to be empty. And immediately, watch this. Keep this verse up here, please. Immediately, some of the doors were open. God doesn't open some doors. He'll open all the doors you need him to open. All of them. He doesn't respect persons. He doesn't love anybody more than anybody else. When you begin to express hope and you begin to pray and you begin to worship God in the storm, he will open all the doors that need to be opened. Amen. He will change every situation that needs to be changed. And it said, and everyone's chains were loosed. When we praise the Lord, chains come off. That's why I said, come to this altar this morning and bring that heavy heart, but don't take it back to the chair with you. Leave it at the altar. Leave it here at the altar. Now watch this. This is an interesting thing as we continue to read. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep. This is interesting about the Bible. How many, maybe some of you have worked in prisons, or obviously some have been in prison, or both. Maybe you've been on both sides of the gate. But some people have worked in prisons. I know to become a police officer, a sheriff around this area, to become a sheriff, you have to work in the jails first. How many could be thankful that if you worked in the jails, you get to go home to your house at night? This particular prison, for some reason, the prison was connected to the house of the jailer. And so he didn't get to leave his job. He was at his job. And so it says, and the keeper of the prison awakes from his sleep and sees the prison doors open. Now you might think, that's not his house. Just stay with me. I promise you, this is his house. Supposing the prisoners had fled. And it says he drew his sword because he had seen that they had fled. He thought that the doors were open. He thought they left. He thought he lost his job. He didn't do his responsibility. It says he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. You know, around us this morning, church, there's people who are thinking about killing themselves in our in our daily walks. There's people who think don't think there's any hope. There's people who don't think there's there's they can change. Does anybody know anybody like that? Maybe you don't even know it. Your neighbor, your coworker, your family member, they're thinking, I, I'm, all host, hope is lost. This jailer thinks his hope is lost. So he goes to take the sword and kill himself because he'd rather kill himself than deal with the problem of letting those people escape. And then we see another but. Watch the next verse. But Paul. How many want to be that person for somebody? When they're about to take their life or they're about to feel like their situation is too far gone or they're too far lost, you can say, no, 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 no. But God has a plan for your life. But God has hope for you this morning. It's not over. How many want to be that person like Paul? He he calls with a loud voice, don't harm yourself. We're all here. We're all here. Don't worry. So he doesn't take his life. Then the jailer calls for a light and runs in and falls down trembling 
before Paul and Silas. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible this morning, church, that the situation you're going through right now, the struggle that you're facing in your life, the problem that you're facing today could be that somebody else needs to see how you react so they can know that there's salvation in Jesus. Is it possible? Yes, it is. Not only is it possible, it's probable. It's probable. And so Paul is in this jail. He says, I'm not going to let the cold, the damp, the, 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 the beating, the blood, all these things, the fact that I'm doing the right, I'm not going to let any of that get me down. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to let the walls of this place shake. And you know what? Here's the thing. Paul and Silas praised God. We know the end of the story, but they weren't praising for that. They were praising because they loved God. Let me give you another nugget. If you would, spend, if you would serve God in a way in your life that you don't expect something back, you're always going to come out with, with a better result. Did you follow that? If you'll worship him and say, Lord, I praise you because I'm at my lowest point, but I'm, I'm not just praising you if you get me out of this. I'm praising you while I'm in this. And whether or not you get me out of this, I'm still going to praise you the same. And you are worthy of this praise. Whether or not you get me out of this prison, you're still worthy of my praise. How many know God will do something powerful in your life? This is a way to live. This is an attitude to have to be an overcomer. So this that's happening right here is just a bonus. He wasn't doing it for somebody else. It's like when we tithe and when we give and when we go do things for the Lord, when we do what's right, we, we, don't, we don't just do it so we get something back. We do it out of obedience. We do it out of love. It just so happens God is a good God. And he blesses those who are faithful. And he, and he, and he does all those things for us. But that's the right attitude is that I'm not doing it for him to give me something back. I'm doing it because he's worthy. So it says, the light came on, he ran in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and listen, he brought them out, and leave this up for a second, plead, and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? God wants to use your situation you're going through for you to react in the right way for people to see your life and say, I need what you have. You have something in your life I want. I'm watching you react to the situation you're in. I'm starting to notice. I thought, the person says, I thought that when you started going to church, everything was going to change because people who get saved and go to church, everything's perfect and they don't have any problems. But I've noticed you still have problems. Matter of fact, sometimes your problems are worse than mine. But I've also noticed that you don't get mad at God. You don't get upset about God. You don't complain about God. You keep going to that church. You keep praising God. You keep, I see a real change in you. What do I need to do to have what you have? What do I need to do to be saved? That's the question all of us want someone to ask us. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But if you've never led somebody to the Lord personally, you're missing out on the greatest, most powerful, most wonderful addiction you could ever be a part of. So, and if you haven't, then that should be fire for you and a desire for you to want to. To want to lead somebody to the Lord, personally, one-on-one, -on -one, where someone says, what do I got to do to be saved? And so he asked this question, and watch what Paul says. This is going to tie together all the messages that we've been preaching for about the last month and a half about grace. He says, believe on the Lord. 
and then start paying your tithes and then pray three times a day and then what did he say believe on the lord and you'll be saved you and your household how many know that's a great promise you and your household now this is grace how many know Paul and Silas could have been talking there and Paul could have said to Silas, Silas, aren't you going to tell him all the other stuff he's got to do? Like the next step class and the do's and the don'ts and aren't you going to mention all that stuff? And Paul's like, Silas, no, I'm not going to tell him that right now. I'm trying to get the dude to sign up. I'm just trying to get him to sign up. Wait, I don't want to tell him all that. You know why he didn't tell him all that? Or, or and so, and so, and so some religions would believe, hey, are you going to tell him about, what, about his wife? What is, and the Jerah's like, what? what? He's like, well, you got to wear your hair a certain way. Kind of looks like a Cinnabon, you know? You know, up, up like this and no makeup. And are you gonna, Wait, you going to tell him about the little surgery he has to do? Amen? How many are with me? Some of you are like, I don't know what in the world he's talking about. And some of you that know the Bible do. In the Old Testament, they had to get circumcised. But see, he didn't do all that. He didn't start telling them. He said, believe on the Lord and you'll be saved. That's the grace of God. All the rest comes. All the rest we learn. But that's not what saves us. What saves us is believing on the Lord. Maybe church, amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. Just believing. Just believing. And I tell myself this too. <clears throat> Maybe we become more successful and more more better soul winners if we wouldn't try to add in all that stuff and we would just tell people, believe on the Lord. Just put your faith in Jesus. Because, you know, we, we do a lot of times, all of us are guilty. We try to go, well, you need to do this, and we, and we throw in our opinion. And, and th what they're really asking us is, tell me about Jesus. Right? They say, hey, you know, is there hope for my situation? Yes, Jesus is your hope. Believe on him, and God will do it. Right? So, so it says, you and your household. Let's finish this up. It says, verse 32, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. So he like goes and it says, took them out the same hour. He goes and gets the prisoners. I don't know how many other prisoners were there, but there were more than Paul and Silas. And he brings them into his house. And he washed their stripes. Washed off their bruises and their cuts and immediately he and his family were baptized. He baptized them in water right there in the house. And then he brought them into his house, set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. Amen? What a miracle. Amen? What a powerful story. Why did those people, why did that jailer and his house get saved? Because Paul and Silas chose at their lowest point, at the midnight hour, instead of complaining, and instead of murmuring, and instead of wondering why, 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 they just said, God, I don't understand, but I know you're on the throne, and I'm going to worship you in my darkest hour, and I'm going to trust you, and God shows up as the hope of all hope, and he heals the situation. Hope brings healing. The hope of healing. Now as I close, I want you to think about something. Hebrews chapter 6. 
I'm sorry, I want you to read one more thing with me here. Hebrews chapter 6. God cannot fail. God's bigger than your situation right now. He's bigger than that lost loved one. He's bigger than that sickness. He's bigger than the pandemic. He's bigger than all these things. He is a big, awesome, wonderful God. And so he wants us to know there's hope in him this morning. Now watch this. Verse 17 of Hebrews chapter 6. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. I've been saved again for almost going on 30 years, and I've learned a lot of the Bible. I still have a lot to learn. That's one thing you learn. The more you study, the more you have to learn. Maybe you've been saved here for a while. Maybe you've been saved a very short amount of time. But can you imagine how frustrating it would be is now that I, okay, I got a creation, Moses, the law, Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, grace comes along, mercy. Okay, saved in Jesus' name. That's, and, I, and I learn all this, and all of a sudden God's like, hey, I wanna, I'm going to change everything up now. Can you imagine? Would anybody like that? That would be horrible. How many are glad that God does not change? He never changes. He doesn't change his, his stance on marriage. He doesn't change his stance on what sin is. He doesn't change his stance with, with the flow of the modern era and new age and all these different things. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's going to be the same in a billion years. Can somebody say amen? How many are thankful God doesn't change his mind? Thank God. So he's not going to change. So we need to make sure that we understand his promises are real. His promises are yes and amen. And it says God has given his promise and his oath. So not only did he say, I promise, he puts his hand on it. Like someone who would put their hand on the Bible. He says, I give an oath that I'll keep my promises. What is his promise? Watch. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. When you ever hear, you hear somebody say, I'm just taking God at his word, that's a smart thing to do. I'm just taking God at his word. Paul and Silas, even though Paul didn't have that long to be saved, he knew how to take God at his word. And he, he knew that, he, that his, his life was temporary. He, as either Brian or John mentioned earlier, that life is short and it's temporary. We're not going to be here forever. How many are thankful that this isn't it? Is anybody else in here thankful this is not it? There is an eternity waiting for us. And so this, there's more to this life than just this. And so God has a plan, but this is practice. This is where we get things set in order for us to be able to see the full glory of God. He says, I'm unchangeable. I don't lie. So you can be sure when I say something, I'm going to do it. If God says he heals, then he heals. If God says he delivers, then he delivers. If God says he changes lives, then he changes lives. If God says there's hope, then there's hope. No matter what the news says, no matter what the world says, let's believe what God says. Finish this with me. Therefore, we who have fled to him. Has anybody fled to God for refuge? I did. I still do. 
can have great confidence. I'm telling you, these right here are some verses. Now, I, and you've kind of died down on me a little bit. This is kind of where I told the 9 o'clock, the 11 o'clock was going to do better. So don't miss out right here. He says, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. Great confidence. As we lay hold to the hope that lies before us. How many know that we have a hope this morning called the blessed hope? That Jesus is going to come back for his church and that we don't have to die. We get to go in the rapture. Now, how many know if Jesus doesn't come back, we're all going to die? That's a fact. But I got a word for somebody in this place right now. And it changed my life a bunch of years ago, and it meant so much to me, and it's so simple. You're not going to die one second before God already has established for you to die. Not one second. Nobody is. It's not like God had intended for you to live till 2050, and then COVID came along and took your life. That's not how it works. Hebrews says it's established unto man once to die, then comes death. God knows the day you're born. He knows the day you're going to die. So quit worrying. You're not going to die one second before. And when you die, it's going to be the moment God already knew. And you're going to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Amen? Don't worry. But my hope is that I, I don't want to die. I want to go in the rapture. See, the problem is everybody wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die to get there. Right? But we have a hope that we don't even have to die. We're that generation that can say, Lord, I, I want to see, see my body transformed in the twinkling of an eye into that glorified body. And we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to the Lord to be with him forever. Amen. That's, that's the blessed hope that we have this morning. And so he says, as I close, this hope is strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hope is a trustworthy and strong anchor for our souls. I started off by saying it's health, and I'm ending by saying it's an anchor. Does anybody realize how important hope is? Hope. And, and what it means, that church, is that you might come to an altar today or 10 years ago or five years ago, and you came with a hope. God, I hope you change my situation. And that situation particularly might not have changed yet. And you'll come again next Sunday with the same hope. And you'll come next year with the same hope. And you'll say, God, I, I don't care what I see. I have hope and trust that you're going to come through. And that suddenly is right around the corner. For your family members, that suddenly is right around the corner. That healing is suddenly right around the corner. That miracle is suddenly right around the corner. And the things can shake and God can change things in an instant. Is anybody thankful for that this morning? Amen? There's hope. Hope is healing. When you have heal hope, you're healing yourself. Say it with me one more time. No matter what. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad it smells, no matter how bad it, it seems, there's hope. Father, we thank you this morning for hope. For every single person that's here today, we know your presence is in this place. We know your spirit is in this house. We know your word is alive. It does not lie. You cannot lie. You cannot fail. 
You've got a plan and a purpose for us this morning. And God, you're working in my situation right now. And as I'm in this situation, maybe we're in the midnight hour right now. Maybe we're in a time where it seems like it's gotten worse than it's ever been. I'm going to lift my hands. And I'm going to say, God, yes, I will praise your name. I don't know what song Paul, <coughs> excuse me, Paul and Silas were singing, but I know they were singing a powerful song saying this same attitude of what we're saying today. God, you're worthy. You're worthy this morning of all the glory and all the praise. How many in this place from front to back and side to side could say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus today, but today I want to be saved. I've never given in my heart. I've never given in my life. Today's the day I'm going to put my faith in Jesus. As that jailer said, what must I do to be saved? The Bible says, believe on the Lord. Just believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved and your household. How many could say that's me? Put your hand up and say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm not saved all over this place. I need Jesus. Maybe you're backslidden, running from the Lord, running from God, running from the things God wants you to do. Maybe you're watching right now online, listening to the podcast. This might be a week later, a month later, you might watch it right now. You're not saved. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment before we dismiss, before we open up the altar. We're going to say a prayer all together. I want everyone to stand this morning. And as you stand, I want you to say this prayer with me. We don't know who's watching this morning online. We don't know who might listen to this on the podcast. There's jailers out there right now who are asking, what must I do to be saved? Your, your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members are watching you and they're, 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 you don't hear them, but they're screaming out in all their anger and their frustration and the dumb things they do. And they're saying, what do I need to do to be saved? And sometimes we're giving them everything but Jesus. We need to give them Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the only hope. Does anybody know Jesus is the only hope for this world? <clears throat> Say this with me. Lord Jesus, we put our faith in you just like that jailer did. We believe on you, on the Lord Jesus. We believe you died on the cross for our sins. We believe you rose from the dead. And we believe that you're in heaven right now. And we believe you're coming back again. Please forgive me for all of my sins and all my mistakes. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Wash me clean with your precious blood. From this day forward, I'm going to trust you, the God who cannot lie and the God who cannot fail. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. How many know this morning that God is faithful?